KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. You're inside the Ebeji Lounge with Melanie and Melora Green. And you know, um, the last time we had this crew, we didn't have enough time <laughs> um, in the studio live with us as Malora blurted and so real. <laughs> we didn't have enough time. And, and what we're speaking of is the It Cast, um, who has been a part of the Ibeji Lounge, I think, for like two years now. Yeah, like two years. I would say uh, three. Has it been? Has I it think been about three. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. The first conversation and as a series, yes. the second year. Yes. And so, you know, it's elevated to such a really dope space. And we didn't really give it a lot of time the last time we were here. We were like, we need the whole next half. So, um, and I also want to thank you, um, Nika, and your beautiful guests for mm-hmm. being able to pivot and be with us this week we we're trying to meet with you guys last week and Melora and I weren't here so <laughs> thank y'all for just being so gracious you didn't know but our and listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah just thanks for um you know being gracious and being with us we're looking yes so looking forward to this conversation so I will let Nika Sherelle take it from here but um this is a conversation that I think um so many people will be inspired by mm-hmm. and look forward to on a monthly basis so Take it from here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. I have so much gratitude for the space and the time. And I'm so pleased to be here with all of the guests tonight. Um, this is the the It Cast Real Talk About All Things Sexual. And I'm your host, Nika Sherell. This is our second episode in our Culture Shock mini-series. And tonight in the Abeji Lounge, we'll be discussing polyamory, polygamy, and religion. Mm. Y'all ready for this? Mm. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't know, I don't know what y'all going to say. Hey. <laughs> so uh, our guests tonight include a couple of community uh, community people. We have Somalia Smith, and we also have Allegra Allegra Edelman. Edelman thank you. I'm like I'm gonna mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're just here to bring some community perspective, uh, frame some questions, and share their diverse backgrounds. And then we also have polyamory coach Steve Yang, uh, who is also here. So I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, before we dive in, I would love uh, I would love for Steve if you could kind of draw some distinctions between polyamory and polygamy, and then uh, take an opportunity to introduce yourself as well. All right, hey, uh, I'm Steve. Uh, <laughs> I am a polyamory relationship coach. Um, polyamory, a uh, difference between polyamory and polygamy is that polygamy really has more to do with marriage, and polyamory is more general than that. It's mm-hmm. more about, like, uh, relationships. So when talking about poly- polygamy, uh, we're talking about, like, uh, marrying more than one person mm-hmm. and it's more of like a legal issue like it's mm-hmm. not legal to do that right whereas when you're talking about polyamory it's talking about having more than one romantic relationship mm-hmm. and it's like people do that all the time monogamous people will do will do that right right i mean yep. but okay so that's the difference do you want me to go into any more detail than that right now? That's fantastic, yes. Okay, great. <laughs> there we go. And then, um, thank you. Uh, please take a second to uh, take, take, take a breath. and Yes. <laughs> uh, share, with us, uh, share with us a little about your cultural background, who you are, where you come from, if you have any specific uh, spiritual or religious views that are going to frame this conversation. Just uh, share with us a little ba- a bit about who you are. 
Okay, so uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, actually just outside of Philadelphia, uh, mainly Jewish neighborhood. There's like 85% Jewish, and I was a, a w- one of three Asian families mm. there. Mm-hmm. And one of the other Asian families, their last name was also Yang, right? But they were Korean, not Chinese. Mm. Wow. And they always got us, they always thought that like uh, we were brothers or something, and I'm like, no, mm. no. Uh, so, so that's like about my background. Now, uh, in terms of like, r- you asked about religion as well, right? I didn't grow up with any kind of religion. It was after I became an adult that I figured out that uh, my dad was Buddhist. Mm-hmm. He passed away in 2008. And then my mom actually is like Methodist now. What? I've it, and then once she told me that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, she would disappear on Christmas, and she went to church, but mm. she never brought us. Mm. It's just something she did on her own, and she never talked to us about religion or anything. So I grew up bas- basically without religion mm-hmm. uh, and had to kind of, as an adult, like, bumble through it on, on my own. So, yeah. I, I would say right now I am... uh. The, the foundation of everything for me is atheist, mm-hmm. 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 Um, and I, I, uh, uh, I most aligned with uh, like Buddhist practices. Mm-hmm. So if I were to choose one, it would probably mm-hmm. be Buddhist. Okay, I get yeah. that. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And just to take a second to just distinguish religion from spirituality, um, you know, we have a lot of religious practices and religious beliefs and sects and faiths that uh, have a lot of rules and indoctrination and things that, you know, fit into the way that we're raised and taught. And spirituality is a much different personal experience, in my opinion. You know, it's something that you tap into on your own. You learn, you grow, and you develop, and it can involve a number of things. I've found my experience with Buddhism to be a bit more spiritual, um, even though, you know, it is its own its own practice and sect. So I thank you for, like, that just eye-opening share into mm-hmm. your background. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so Somalia, are you uh, up next to just kind of share a little bit about your background, who you are, uh, what brings you to this conversation? Just a quick second. And like one or two, so that everybody have a chance everybody. to get into the dialogue. <laughs> yes, we can actually get yes. to the dialogue. Yes, yes. And you guys keep will it have brief. to keep it back with yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it brief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's killing my ears. Is that good? <laughs> That's oh, better. Perfect. It's oh. perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, so I am here. We are cousins, actually, yeah. uh, the two of us. And I think that there's there's some crossover between our lives and uh you know she just you just recognized me as someone that could maybe add a little something to the conversation yeah mm-hmm. uh, as far as my background so right both from kansas city i'm from kansas mm-hmm. city missouri uh born in kansas actually on the kansas side um However, uh, born under Islam, uh, so my parents were Muslim uh, at the time, and um, but you know they didn't. Uh, full transparency, my my parents were divorced when I was very young, actually, mm-hmm. um, and I think that my father was really more so the driving force of that religious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so um, I just remember small bits of that, but uh, really grew up, I guess, more Christian. Mm -hmm. But even then, it was not um, something that was, I think, much like you. It wasn't... uh, super forced on us mm-hmm. you know and there wasn't a lot of religious talk you know mm-hmm. it was more just about uh just you know being cool being a good person mm-hmm. um treating each other kindly taking care of your family um those were more of the values so yeah that's that's my upbringing um cool yeah hello Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm Allegra. I grew up in Inglewood, California, Los Angeles, like right on the border. Um, I had a Jewish mom, Creole dad, and my dad was not in the house, but my dad's family was only about eight blocks away and was very in my life. So I grew up um, in a pretty African-American neighborhood um, with a Jewish mom. <laughs> and you're like, okay. And she had grown up in that neighborhood as well. So that means a lot of our chosen family mm-hmm. were, were black as well. And that was just like my auntie and all of them. Like growing up, I wasn't allowed to call them anything else. <laughs> they were like, okay. I was like, I was like, I'm That's granny. That's how we do in the South. No, not no. at all. Mm-hmm. And they were from Louisiana, yep. right? And so like if I called, I asked granny's first name once. And she said, why do you need to know? I was like, "Um, because the prescription for school, the (laughs) magazine subscription (laughs) wants to know your first name. She was like, okay. (laughs) Don't get no bright ideas about calling me. She was like, but I'm granny. I was like, yes, granny. At all times. So so my Catholic family, my Creole family is Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, And they took me to church on Sundays if I was at my grandma's house. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, I'm not supposed to go to church. I'm Jewish. She said, Jesus was Jewish. Let's go to church. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up with multiple religions. Um, And then my mom's friends, we had had friends that were in various forms of Christianity. So we would go to their churches sometimes. I would sometimes be in Sunday school. Um, And I also did Hebrew school later on. Mm-hmm. And so it was being, and then my mom was really into meditation. So we went to a meditational synagogue. Mm-hmm. So we did Judaism, but with like Buddhist practices. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with this kind of hodgepodge of all these things. Mm-hmm. And then also, even when I was in Catholic church, my family told me what not to say. You know, they were like, well, you don't say this part. So they still respected wow. my mother's upbringing of how she wanted to raise me. So, but I was... But I was, but I went to first communions and like, mm-hmm. I mean, that was my whole family. So mm-hmm. I was in that all the time. So, um, so religion for me was kind of a, a choosing a little bit. It mm-hmm. was like, I got to see a little bit of all these things. And for me, I got to see the core of what yeah. it all was. And the core was so similar, even though they thought about all these things and you're like, but y'all are all talking about the same thing. You're just doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Whether it was, whether it was, you know, all of it. So, Yeah. That's a little bit my upbringing. Nice. Thank you. And uh, would y'all like to share just a quick second about? I'll do it for the both of us. Thank so we you. Can get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure listeners are like, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Melora um, and I, um, originally from Memphis, Tennessee, grew up Christian. That oh, went she- from Church of God in Christ to Baptist to non-denominational to spiritual to looking within still on that journey and that has probably been the highest I think um, calling that I've had 
and getting to where we are, I think that has allowed more space, freedom, and access to how I see myself as a person who can express love, passion with others outside of the frame that I grew up in um, and not being super rigid to that. I think um, there's a way that like personal evolution can cause that. So I'll let you take us on. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So so I know everyone's kind of wondering how exactly did we land on such a specific topic? And believe it or not, I'm a firm believer that religion plays a large role in how we develop and identify Mm -hmm. sexually. Mm -hmm. Like from from such a young and and impressionable age. So I myself was raised Southern Baptist Christian. And uh, from a time that I could understand any of the teachings, I was being indoctrinated with this belief that like, heterosexuality and you know monogamy and like sex after marriage this was your ticket into heaven and if you did anything else you were going to burn forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) eternal damnation Mm -hmm. and and that was the end of the story and you know thoughts were impure there was um and i wasn't raised in a specifically strict christian home Mm -hmm. but the teachings when i went to church had a very specific mindset Mm -hmm. um so looking at these things you know it really did uh, as a result i carried a lot of years of shame like it put a lot of shame on me a lot of fear Mm -hmm. you know not being not being allowed to be who i was so uh, as i was developing this series i realized that um this this formula, this idea that I had, is not synonymous across religions. It's mm-hmm. not synonymous across beliefs. There are a lot of different polygamous religions out there. Um, you know, just kind of flashing at some of my studies, I'm like, okay, Mormonism, Church of Latter-day Saints, Islam, like a lot of these beliefs practice polygamy and also like different tribal cultures, you know, indigenous peoples across the world, non-binary gender beliefs. So Mm -hmm. when did we become so puritanical? Like when did we Mm. end up in this space where we had to be straight, we had to be monogamous, we had to do it under this very political legal guise. Otherwise, that's the end all be all. Right. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I heard I heard whispers. I just said the white man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. I mean, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was exactly the word. Um, so the white man, you know, not specific quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so um so I kind of want to look at uh, how the how ooh, don't tell people. Um so uh so where exactly did polyamory and polygamy uh become taboo? You know, where did these things kind of fall in or out of popularity in the United States and the world over? Um I know we had some of these conversations. Mhm. <laughs> well, are you about to add context to what Oh, I was about to answer, but oh no, you no, go ahead, no, go ahead. Uh-huh. I'm just going to say whatever's coming up, coming to mind for you. as you were as you were asking the question. What was coming up for me was like you said the, the white man, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, the first thing that came to mind for me was Disney, mm. like mm-hmm. like the the, the Disney fairy tales, right? Of like idealized romantic love, mm-hmm. right? And then another thought that came to me is mass media. Yeah. 
when suddenly you have you can like make a movie and it's played all over the the nation and everybody is consuming the same story mm-hmm. right then suddenly you, you have control over the culture mm-hmm. right because if you look back before those times like when you look back to like the 1800s you're looking back at victorian times like we have this idea of what the victorian times were mm-hmm. and then there's what the victorian times actually were. actually were <laughs> right. they don't have pictures of that <laughs> right mm-hmm. and what were they like for people who may not know or have you uh, what's coming to mind for me is like have you ever looked up like uh catherine the great I've never Googled. She loved sex. Yes. She had like tables with like boobs and cocks and balls and Mm -hmm. all over the place. She had like orgies all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. That's my image of like the Victorian era that Mm -hmm. isn't taught. Like we're not shown that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it's control. So when um, when they said the white man or white people and then you're leaning in and even you know building an even deeper context of like the outcome which is I know that if I wave this magic wand and I know if I can control your mind from zero to seven years old including making sure that your parents get you this snow white I want to be snow white I want to be whatever these Disney characters are you create these cute cuddly supposedly beautiful um, images that now everyone is mesmerized into thinking we have to be. And a lot of that, I think, is really just control of the female body at the core and context. If I can make you feel like your body doesn't belong to you and that you don't have a body until it is impacted by a man... And all you will be is someone who will bear children. You will actually be property of a man. That's your womanhood. That's it. The beauty is it is sold as your greatest dream Mm -hmm. and your greatest hope ever. That a man will come along. now And choose you. And choose you. Now, I, for those of, for those of you who still subscribe to that and that is your dream and your fantasy great in the context of polyamory i would love to have a discussion that really leans in and provides a full context so that maybe in this short time we have together we can build a better understanding of maybe why um how Because as soon as I say that I'm poly, there are these conversations and questions that come up like, aren't you just greedy? Or, you know, why do you why do you have to have, you know, more than one approach? You just isn't that a lot? You already busy do a lot with work. And I mean, like, why are we? The other misconception is that it is less honorable. Yeah. To be poly. Um, I think that people. And I keep saying this, we're so intoxicated by the role with monogamous relationships that people are so fixated on what the role is, they're not even thinking about what they're doing within it. And many people are in poly Poly relationships relationships and don't even know it. 
but they're in these roles, right? And so we're not being honest about what we're actually doing, what we actually need. And on the poly tip, you really have to have a level of maturity. Your conversation and your communication has to be intact or all your stuff's going to crumble. So we have to really talk about what type of person you really need to be to have a successful and healthy poly relationship. Because I think it's just too easy for people to throw it under greedy and throw it as an immature expression when there's so much maturity necessary. I think polyamory is courageous love. Yeah. Beautiful. I think it's courageous love because you're willing to be honest with someone and say, I love other people or I will be seeing other people. Whereas most people who subscribe to the monogamous um, route will be in a relationship and after they get so-called bored or maybe this particular need is being fulfilled, but there's this other need over here. So you see someone out or it's your work buddy. Now you're winking and you're talking. All of a sudden, uh, oh, I'm in another relationship. <laughs> <laughs> now your friends know. And it's like, yeah, it is that fast. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, you know, like, let's get real, y'all. Like, polyamory, if you are honest about it and you're willing to have those conversations, it's courageous love. Absolutely. And you're literally loving someone else during the process of, like, feeling for someone else or being there for someone else. And if you can have that with honesty and security in yourself, it's one of the most amazing things you can experience. Now, does it always work? I don't know. Steve? (laughs) Right. Hello. (laughs) So let's take this opportunity to talk about agreements Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. You know, as someone who previously identified as bisexual, I got the greedy conversation all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Constantly. It was like this thing where it's like, I'm actually not dating most people Mm -hmm. because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. How could I be greedy? Just because I like think about it. That's weird. Um, But when it comes to agreements, I was in a hetero relationship with a man that I loved and found out that he was dating other women, like, while on dates with me. (laughs) Like, he was that slick. Or I was that daft. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) hand the microphone over to the coach (laughs) so that we can talk about some agreements and, like, what healthy poly structures look like. Okay. So actually, there's something that came up for me, is that like uh, what you were saying, like people have been doing it for a long time, and what came up for me is like, because I'm I, I I dance, I'm a blues dancer, and mm-hmm. you listen to all kinds of blues music. There's all a lot of blues songs, a lot of country songs are about somebody cheating on somebody else, Come on. right? So it's been happening mm-hmm. for a long time, right? Now you're talking about agreements. If it's cheating, then they don't have an agreement to do that. Come on, right? But polyamory or or ethical non-monogamy, which is more a broader term, um, I'm using is that. about taking taking it out of the cheating realm mm-hmm. and bringing it into the light so everybody can see it, mm-hmm. and that you can actually talk about what's going on rather than having it hide in the shadows and jump out at you and scare the crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Thank you. So we're really talking about a distinction between fidelity and monogamy. Like, there's a difference between having conversations, really talking things through, Mm -hmm. and just buying into these rules. I mean, almost what you were saying, Melora, it was almost biblical. Like, Mm -hmm. you you belong to this man. This is Mm -hmm. the life that you live. And, you know, these things. And those are things that we naturally subscribe to. Well, you know why I said that, right? I mean, um... There's this there's this boys club or gentlemen's club where it's created for by thanks to patriarchy, right? Um there's this underground club where most men and I'm sorry, I I hang out with a lot of dudes. <laughs> just saying like honest conversations, there's this underground thing where yeah, you'll get married but you know what you're going to do. And that's that's what that's a thing like that is a thing, even if it's Uh. even if it's um, and also that men don't tell on each other. Mm. So you could be with a a woman. You could have a friend that you've grown up with, meet the person that she's going to be with, see him out because you out or not with someone else. And on a man's code that generationally passed down like you know when are you going to have your first these are like conversations that boys are poised to have like but then the girl has to be good so if the girl is supposed to be good then who are the boys supposed to be bad with so Mm -hmm. it's like this double Mm -hmm. thing like Mm -hmm. but we're primed to just look at one man to only belong to him while he gets to, and I'm not a male bash, I'm just being honest. This is pe- things that people don't want to talk about. But he is primed to, yes, be with her, marry her, pay for her, all whatever, whatever that's supposed to look like, right? And still be able to fulfill on other passions or seeing someone else. And it's just this whole other way that men are allowed and praised to be well it's Mm -hmm. also like the way you do it Mm -hmm. you're not a dog unless you just so cold that everybody knows Mm -hmm. you know if you keep it tight then you're a real man Mm -hmm. and inside of your role that's a good man and a good husband Mm -hmm. nobody found out Mm -hmm. but it's like uh inside the role you kind of blew it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but nobody cares about that just don't mess up the flow. And so when we start throwing around these poly words, that's messing up the flow, y'all. It really because is. Because no one wants to be exposed. What Anybody else have anything to share? I, I totally agree. I mean. Well, I was going to say even um, your description of that, uh, I think definitely you you see that. You feel that. You, mm-hmm. Plenty of people experience that. It seems to that attitude of it being cool or it being okay, I wonder how much of that is a religious-based mm-hmm. idea, right? Uh, so we're going to keep the family together, mm-hmm. and you're going to just kind of do whatever you need to to keep the family yeah. together. Um, now, I, I probably am in the relative minority in that, honestly, I don't really know much about polyamory except that I know that I date 
around, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I, I date around until I get into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm in the relationship, I'm pretty like, yeah, so like this sage. is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I was just sitting here thinking like, you know, I think... I think people should do what the hell they want. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that makes you happy Mm -hmm. and whoever you're in a relationship or relationships with, if they are cool with all of that and y'all are all happy, like go on. Absolutely. But I think though, that there probably are some people who probably just like penguins or, you know, whatever (laughs) they just, um, they made they pair up you yeah. know they mm-hmm. pair up and they're yeah. really into that type of relationship as well and mm-hmm. i mean i guess we all you know at some point have to just take a peek at ourselves and our relationship lives and if it's healthy if it's not are you fulfilled or you want yeah. more you know and just kind of evaluate so i'm just more sort of taking in the conversation but that yeah. was um just something i was thinking about it just yeah. as you were uh mentioning that yeah yeah Yeah. i think you know what i think about what you just said and going back to what steve said in the beginning you know just consider that we when we were born right there's this blanket of reality that was given to us but you don't really know what you like You really don't know what you like. You don't even know what's natural to you. You know what was given to you, and sometimes it's hard to burst out of that. But if you weren't given the fairy tale story and you saw your parents have healthy polydynamics, would you really desire what you desire? Would you really feel the way you feel? Like if polyamory was normalized, would you feel the opposite? Would you go, well... If people have to have one person, then I guess, but I appreciate being able to, like what we've always done, <laughs> is have a relationship with this person and, you know, the, op- the option or opportunity to have another just as caring dynamic in yeah. relationship with that person. Like, would we go through compersion naturally instead of jealousy? I don't know what that word means. Yes. <laughs> and so I let's, had let's that said. That. <laughs> Look, spell it. Back. <laughs> spell it. <laughs> We're not going to go there. You're not going to embarrass <laughs> me on the air like that. <laughs> <laughs> but can we talk about, like, needs and yes. how not, I mean, to your point, there are people who really want to be with one other person. We're not even talking about y'all. Okay. We're talking about people who clearly require more. And for some people, one person can't fulfill everything for them. So that's another area that people don't talk about. And that's mm-hmm. usually frowned upon, too. Or even admitting that. Yeah. Like, why is it wrong to admit that? And why is it requiring more? Like, if it, is it just requiring clarity? 
You know, I think you, you've brought up a lot of really great points, especially in the era that we're in. You've talked a lot about equalizing of gender mm-hmm. and the way that those conversations unfold. Did. You did, yes, with the poly <laughs> conversation. You know, we're really looking at, like, you know, there's been this boys club, and mm-hmm. we're shaking up this boys club. And mm-hmm. it's been historically present across cultures and societies throughout history. And it's like, okay, well, now that we're bringing conversation to the forefront mm-hmm. and we're bringing opportunities for discussion to the forefront, we can't be we can't be ignorant about right. these things right so you really did bring that to to the conversation in a powerful way and looking more so um more so at just the way that these things can be more normalized um i mentioned the word compersion earlier yes and that's one of those things where like okay you know little bells go off because there's all these words and like i am not polly <laughs> um but i want to have this conversation because i mm-hmm. found myself in those moments mm. Compersion is the emotional experience of being happy for and relating to your partner when they are happy with someone else. Mm. So instead of being jealous, instead of being insecure and feeling like you got to stop it or, you know, like get in the middle or in between, it's like, oh, wow, I'm really happy for you Mm -hmm. that this is happening in your life, in your world. Mm -hmm. Like this is a blessing. This is beautiful. Um, And just allowing that to be. So having these things be more natural. Uh, I had an accidental compersion moment and ended up in a poly situation and I had so many questions and then I called Steve and I was like Steve (laughs) you got to answer some questions for me (laughs) Um, and one of them you you answered so eloquently you pointed out a distinction between from my mind the way I was thinking about it between homosexuality and polyamory and do you remember that conversation I don't. Please remind me. Okay. (laughs) So, um, really what you said was like, you know, people are born homosexual. Like, you're born with your your sexuality, your gender identity. And would you like to continue elaborating on that point? Uh, Okay, yeah. So, um, there's there's some people who relate to polyamory as like a sexual orientation. I was born this way, Mm -hmm. right? And and I'll always be this way. And I'm not going to be happy in, in a monogamous relationship. And that's great for them. And for me, I identify it more as like a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. Like I want to live in a big house, right? Mm-hmm. I, I choose to do that. Now I'm okay in a small house. It's fine, mm-hmm. right? But I, I want to live in this big house and I'm going to do what it takes mm-hmm. to make this work, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, more of a, it's more of a conscious choice that way mm-hmm. uh, rather, than, rather than like uh, or- orientation, like you're born that way, right? Yeah. How did that help you? So it really helped me because I discovered that I could be in experiences and relationships that were polyamorous. I could love people that were polyamorous. And knowing at my core, I prefer to be with one other partner. Um, We also had distinguishments in that conversation around like being poly versus just like having multiple sex partners, like relationships versus, you know, swinging and things like that. And it was a really, really like profound distinction of I can choose to own and commit to this lifestyle and own and commit these promises to my partners Mm -hmm. and have integrity and fidelity in all these circumstances versus, you know, in previous circumstances, just being like, well, I guess they just wanted to date somebody else and not tell me (laughs) okay i think that's what it is people people mistake polyamory for just the distinction of swinging you know what i mean like i think that people see it as oh collecting sexual partners 
and that's not what it is. There are definitely people who do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. But in the context of just the swinging part, like when I hear swinging, I think about something completely different. And when I just heard you say it, I was like, that's why people say some of the things that they say. Because I'm like, if you really, at least if you understood what I envision, it's not that at all. And I don't even have a judgment on that. I'm just saying that's not what it is as a distinction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, just kind of getting a feel for everything that's going on here. So, Steve, I would like for you to... <laughs> well, the feel that we do have, that we need to acknowledge, yes, is that we have about two minutes. There we go. So, <laughs> Steve, I would like yeah. for you to take an opportunity to share with the audience about your coaching practice, how they can reach out and find you, and, you know, like what it is that you do currently. Please share the resource with our audience. Okay, yes. sure. Hey, uh, I am a relationship coach. I specialize in uh, coaching people around polyamory. So if people are like new to poly, there's a big thing is like a lot of people will they'll read about it or they'll watch a TV show about it or, or something and be like, this is a great idea. It makes sense to your logical mind. And then mm -hmm. you start it. And then, like, there's all these feelings that come up, like, <laughs> oh, my God, my partner's out with someone else. Uh, it means something about it, me. It means they don't love me. Wow. Right? And this is all these things that come up. And it's, like, people just jumping into it because it's, like, hip and cool and trendy. But it's, like, there's actually a lot of work you need to do on yourself to yes. prepare yourself, which is good for you whether or not you it, you end up being polyamorous in the end because yeah. these skills can really help you in monogamy as well, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so uh, my coaching practice is is using polyamory as the access to gain the skills that you can use in any relationship. Like my relationship with my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my relationship with my mom is awesome. Oh, look at you! Just Hi, mom. You just took everybody <laughs> out. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love you too, mom. I love you <laughs> This is the real work, though, to really just even start these types of conversations where I personally am excited to see brown people here talking about this, yes. being at the helm of this conversation. It doesn't always have to be like, you know, this to the white guy with the ponytail, but it doesn't have to be a white guy with a ponytail breaking it down. Keep like it real. Many of us. We've been doing this. I'm just saying. just saying. I'm just saying. So I'm just happy to see the faces in front of me um, who are at the helm of this dialogue. And we thank you plan to continue this. Absolutely. Um, so uh, October 8th, we'll be here with our mm -hmm. next episode for the It Cast. Real, real talk about all things sexual. Uh, you can find out more information about that at NikaSherelles.com slash the It Cast on our Facebook page. And you can also support regular programming by visiting our Patreon at Patreon.com slash NikaSherelles. Um, I should probably spell that right. <laughs> you have 30 yeah, seconds. Like 30 30 seconds. <laughs> N-I-K-A-C-H-E-R-R-E-L-L-E apostrophe S. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Can you shout your website? Oh, CoachSteveYang.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the guests for being here. Yes. Thank you, Ibeji Lounge. Yes. 
Yes, and thank you all for being with us. Um, I'm going to take this moment to thank our guests, um, all of our guests, for being with us. Um, um, with us tonight, we'll make sure that you're able to check in and tune in to get the information for the Now Hunters Point and also to be able to support the work and check out the work of Tanya Herrera. The next voice you will hear is Mr. Terry Collins with the spirit of Joe Rudolph. And I feel like somebody in front of me wanted to say something really quick. No, got it. Love y'all. Thank y'all. Don't shut that down on the polyamory. Be open. Be honest. Be loving. We'll see y'all next week inside the Veggie Lounge with Melanie and Melora Green. Thank you. Thank y'all.